0: Today's scripture text comes from the book of Romans, chapter 8, verses 35 through 39. We'll begin in verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? Just as it is written, For thy sake we are being put to death all day long.
1: Father, I ask for your help now as I endeavor to speak of these ten obstacles which cannot separate us from your love in Jesus Christ. Grant me and all of us in this room hearts docile to your leading and your teaching. Now I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The context for today's message is a situation here at Bethlehem that calls for hundreds of you. I pray 1,500 of you to begin worshiping on Sunday morning at Maranatha Hall at Northwestern College four weeks from now. There will be two services, one at 8.30 and one at 10.30 there. And two services here, one at 8.30 and one at 10.30. The first part of our worship service, where we do most of our singing, will be live in both places, led by Chuck Stedham and a worship team and choirs here, and Dan Holst and worship team and choirs there. And then the part of the service we call Expository Exaltation, otherwise known as Preaching will be live in one place and videoed to the other place, switching every other week. We remain one church. One eldership, one staff, one vision, one mission, one budget, one unifying theology, one infallible Bible, one glorious, sovereign, triune God worshiping in two sites with a coordinating, equipping, nerve center downtown and small groups scattered all over the city. The context in the church... Is not unrelated and is significantly related to the context in the Bible for this text. The church context is about a kind of separation that is not a separation. We call it going without going. And the biblical text, which you just heard Walt read, is about a kind of separation that is not a separation. Nothing in all creation, it says, will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. But these ten things sure look like they separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so the aim of this text is to show you that they don't. And to build into you massive security for merciful service through many sufferings. Let's read them. Verses 38 and 39. If you wonder, is this it? Is this the end of Romans 8? I think what I'll do is is give one more message on the whole eight chapters next week. And then we'll be done with Romans one day. So here we are in the last two verses. For I am convinced... That neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let me say it again. The point of these verses over and over and over again is your unshakable massive security. I hope you feel it. You are meant not only to know it, but to feel it. That's what these verses are for. And the reason he has to hammer it five, six times is because life doesn't look like it. Life does not look like we are inseparable from the love of God. Life looks many times like we have been separated from the love of God. You are walking through now, some of you, things that do not look like a manifestation of the love of God in your life. And therefore, we need a Romans 8 repeated over and over and over again to us. Because we have verses like verse 36... We are being put to death all day long. It's not like the NIV says. The NIV is not a good translation here. It's not, we face death. That's that's a weakening of the text. We are being put to death. We are being killed all day long. Somewhere in the world, that is happening every day to Christians. I mentioned 165,000 as the number, probably. For 2002, 165,000 Christians will die because of their faith. We don't feel very secure many times, which is why this text is here, why my sermon is here, why you've been brought here this morning by God, whether you know it or not. Take heed. This text is about the security of God's elect. Not everybody. Don't read this as a kind of romantic thing that you can stand up beside a Jew and a Muslim and a Hindu at some big celebration and say, Isn't it wonderful that all Christians reveal the security of people under God? You will be an absolute desecrator of the Bible if you talk like that. This text is about those who, according to verse 28, love God and are called according to his purpose. These are people who are foreknown by God, predestined to be like Jesus, called out of darkness, justified by faith in Christ, glorified. These are people in this context who are God's own. Who shall bring any charge against? Finish it. God's elect. That's what this text is about. So don't become a wishy-washy, romantic, smushy, poetic leveler out of all religions who think that you can just pluck here and there from Bibles and other sacred books and just read nice things on the radio to make people feel good in the face of tragedy. It is so tragic when we do that. This is about a massive work of the one sovereign holy God through His one and only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, being born of a virgin, living a perfect life, dying for sinners, rising again, interceding for them, so that all in this room who will trust Him may know themselves as His, from eternity to eternity. So I invite you. You wonder, ah, am I elect?" There's no secret way to find that out. There's only one way to know yourself gloriously secure as elect. Trust your Redeemer. Trust your Redeemer. If God grants you the trust to come to Jesus and make Him your treasure and Lord and Savior, you are His. And if you are His, all these verses are yours. And when we study it now together, revel in it. And if you feel yourselves outside, be drawn in. Be drawn in by our reveling together in it. Don't stay outside. Whosoever wills may come. Will it. And it's yours. Verse 38. There are ten things here. Eight of them come in pairs. Let's take the first pair. For I am convinced that neither death nor life will be able to separate us from the love of God. Why does he begin with death? It's clear why he begins with death. He's just said we're being put to death all day long. And therefore, the most immediate thing on the agenda is, if I die, am I separated from the love of God? If he lets the sword fall, if he lets cancer cut me down, if he lets a car hit me, am I somehow at that moment then separated from the love of God? And so Paul begins with death and says, no. In fact, if you read all of Paul, this great inspired apostle for our good, you hear him say, it's not only not a separation from God, it's a getting closer to God. This death thing, this arch enemy of our fullness of life, taking our souls and our bodies and ripping them apart in a way that they will not be destined to be, They will one day be reunited and we will have new bodies and our souls will be fully clothed with what we were made to be in the new heavens and the new earth. Philippians 1.23, I am hard pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ. That's what death is, with Christ. Right now, we have him in us and in a sense spiritually with us and there face to face with the risen Christ in His resurrection body. 2 Corinthians 5.8 To be absent from the body is to be at home with the Lord. It's not a separation. It's home going. It's not a made up little funeral trite phrase to throw out when our aged dies. It was a home going. That is solid, radical, biblical truth. To be away from the body is to be at home. Finally, with my God, my Jesus. Oh, I hope you get to know him so well here. It will feel like that for you when you die. Labor, young people. Labor, middle-aged people. Labor, old people to so love him that it will feel nearing home as you're dying. Not many people know him like that. In fact, they're almost afraid to get to know him like that because they so much love the things of this world. It is a separation. That's why Paul's writing this. It's a separation from family. It's a separation from friends. It's a separation from our bodies. It's a separation of all earth pleasures that we have enjoyed Which is why it doesn't look like the love of God. It doesn't feel like the love of God at that moment. And that's why we have to be taught truth that it is not a separation from the love of God. You know, one of the things that people fear, I heard R.C. Sproul say one time, I don't fear death, I fear dying. And the only ministry I know to that concern, which we all have, is this. Don't think of the love of God as something that carries you up, drops you as you miserably finish the death, and then reappears on the other side and says, I've loved you. Don't think about it like that. Nothing will separate us from the love of God. Not five minutes before, not five weeks before, not whether it's lung thing, heart thing, kidney thing, liver thing, bone thing. It is. It is not going to separate you from the love of God. And you must hold fast to that because Satan's going to say the opposite. Your old nature will say the opposite. Some people might tell you the opposite. And this sermon and this text and the Holy Spirit are functioning to say, no, no, no. Even in this agonizing last five, ten minutes, I am loved. That will not be easy to believe. And I am laboring to help you. And Paul is and Jesus is. Believe it. Next pair. Let me quote from chapter 14 just to fold life into that pair. I, life is everything that can happen to you. And he says in Romans 14:9, for to this end, Christ died and lived again, that he might be Lord, both of the living and the dead. He died and rose to be Lord of the living and the dead. He's Lord in life and Lord in death. Life and death can't separate you. Next pair, angels and principalities. Neither angels nor principalities. And then he's, he puts in another pair and then he adds powers. I'm not sure why he did that. I don't know why powers dangles as a, a single, because it, in all the other texts where he refers to these, they're like a group. Angels, principalities, powers, and so on. But here he's got angels and principalities, things present, things to come, then powers. And uh, I don't know. I would be speculating. I can't think of any reason why he would split off powers. Or maybe he said the pair, and then he said another pair, and then he thought to himself, I'm trying to do pairs here, but I don't want to leave out powers. So I'm going to stick it in anyway. So, Tertius, write down powers. Which, which, which is significant because it's... Here's what the meaning of this threesome or pair is. It's no cosmic powers, no demonic powers, no satanic powers can separate you from the love of God. I, I take principalities and powers, not so much to be worldly powers, though they can refer to that. But I take them as angelic powers because they're introduced by the word angels, angels, principalities and powers. So it seems like he's talking about angelic beings, kinds of demons and cosmic evil powers in the world. And we might be afraid that what if I get outclassed here with supernatural powers that attack me and I'm just a little created human being and these guys don't have any bodies and they're massive like Michael, only evil now and won't they be able to undo me and strip me of my faith so that I perish? And Paul says, absolutely not. Not if you're elect. It won't happen because I keep my own. Those Whom I justify, I glorify. No
0: dropouts.
1: Colossians 2.15. God disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in the cross. So our response to these massive powers when they come against us with temptation or doubt is to plead the cross where they were broken. Their power was broken. A public display and shame was made of them. The blood of Jesus is our power against them. So I glory in the fact that God says to Satan, you and all your hordes are helpless to take my loved ones. The prince of darkness grim we tremble not for him, his rage we can endure, for lo, his doom is sure, and not ours, his. Then come two pairs, after powers come two pairs, which as I pondered them seemed to me to be a pair relating to time and a pair relating to space. Nothing in time Nothing in space. First, the time pair, not things present and not things to come. And then the space pair, not height and not depth will separate us from the love of God in Christ. Take the time pair and ponder with me for a minute. Our now might be one thing and our future might be another Now it might feel safe, secure, a nice congregation of people here. We're all together in this. You're good. But you have an imagination. And you know it hasn't always been this way. And there are coming times when you fear the future may bring things into your life that are so horrible you wouldn't be able to stand. And so you tremble now that that might be the end of your walk with God. And he says, no, I won't let it happen. I won't let anything in the future or in the present. Your present may be so bad, you don't know how you'll make it to the future. And he says, no, this present is not going to separate you from me. Neither this present, as bad as it is, nor any future you can imagine as horrible as it is, can separate you from me. I won't let it happen. This is God talking. I won't let it happen. Similarly, the space pair. You can imagine that where you live now feels very comfortable, but you're going to a place. You're going to a place to serve It's going to be so dark. Is there some faraway place that if I got there, God would still be back at Bethlehem with all their nice songs and their nice preaching? And I'm here almost the only Christian among millions of unbelievers. And the darkness here is so heavy, I won't survive. And God says, you'll survive. You will survive. I will not let that crush you. I will not let that destroy you. You will be mine there. I will be there. I will go with you. I will not forsake you, like we just sang. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, behold, you are there. You can go as high as you want. And you'll never get beyond the love of God. You can go down into hell as deep as you want to go. And you'll never get away from the love of God. You can go that way or that way or that way or that way. Even Roseville. And you will never be separated from the love of God. Finally, Paul, not willing to leave anything out, says, No other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God. All that is not God cannot separate you from God. That's how secure Christians are. Including you cannot separate yourself from God. If you are God's elect. I mention that because it grieves me how many Christians eviscerate, abolish, ruin, destroy this text with that kind of belief. Picture John ten twenty nine. No one can snatch them out of my hand, and then you get a little Armenian pixie pick- who says, "Oh, but you can jump out." That's a great dishonor to the text and to God. To come to this text and say that whom whom Paul is talking about here can jump out of election. There really are people who will read verse 29 and 30. And when it says, those of me foreknew, he predestined me like Jesus. And those of me predestined, he called. And those of me called, he justified. And those of me justified, he glorified decisively and finally. And they will dare to say that justified people can cease to be justified and not be glorified? This is a great assault on God's Word. If you are God's elect, the promise is not, Oh, you may forsake Him and live a life of sin and still go to heaven. That's not the promise. The promise of Romans 8 is, If you are God's elect, He won't let you forsake Him and live a life of sin. Let us tremble. Let us tremble. Behold, I will make with them an everlasting covenant and I will not turn away from doing them good. And I will put the fear of me in their hearts so that they will not turn away from me. Jeremiah 32, 40. The new covenant bought by the blood of Jesus for his own bride. Oh, Christian, know your security. But don't know it in a mechanical way. I prayed a prayer one time. I can live like the devil. You're not gods if you talk that way. No child of God talks that way. Know that you are His because there is in you an almighty Holy Spirit surging with infinite divine power who will triumph over all of your temptations And though there be many stumblings and many wanderings, oh, yes, he permits such things. He will triumph over you in the end and bring you back to himself. Oh, how we should be strong. All right. There's the text. And now here we are at Bethlehem. In the context of Roseville and the need for 1,500 of you, there were 3,050 people in worship last Sunday. We're going to go to two services here. We want there to be room for growth here as God works in people's lives. Therefore, this place can't be left full. And sixteen to eighteen hundred people feels really full here. Do the math. Fifteen hundred people or so need to go. So here's the application of the text. In all our separations we are not separated. That's the point of Romans eight thirty eight to thirty nine. Small groups, this booklet, is a huge part of that reality. Small groups, scattered, E for E groups, education groups, college groups, singles groups, married groups, women's groups, men's groups, intergenerational groups, this is a huge part of The reality that is Bethlehem scattered over the cities and gathering in two sites on Sunday morning, one in Roseville, one downtown. We call it going without going. And yes, there will be separations. Let me list some of them and then some of the things that will not be separated. If you go, you will be separated from some friends. Probably. Because I assume you have some friends that live in Apple Valley, and you live in New Brighton. And you meet here on Sunday morning, right? And you will be separated from friends. Children will feel it, because some children will worship here and some children will worship there, and the friends won't be seen as often. Teenagers are going to feel it. Wait a minute. I won't ever see again on Sunday morning, it seems like. There will be Wednesday nights. There will be youth group meetings. But I don't want to minimize. That will not be easy for many. So here's the question I'm, I'm praying about and asking. Is God working in Bethlehem? to make us a little bit like missionaries who leave so much when they go. They're here for a year. The little children get all connected. The teenagers get plugged in. And, and then the parents say, in a month, we're going back. And God gives grace to our missionary families. And they say, yes, yes, we'll leave that wonderful worship. We'll leave those kids. We'll leave that youth group. We'll leave that nice house. We'll leave the bug-free house. We'll leave air conditioning. We'll leave it all. Because God's waiting for us there to do a mighty work. And I'm praying, wondering, I wonder if God is doing enough in us senders to be a little bit like missionaries. Just a little bit. Like Roseville. Maranatha Hall, air conditioning, padded bucket theater seats. I mean, it's God doing a little bit of missionary freedom so that the sacrifices will be for Christ's sake. In other words, what we're about here is not making it convenient for 800 people who live north. It's got to be way more than that. It's got to be way more than that in what we're about here. Because to get 1,500 of you to go, some got to drive by this church. I think I haven't looked at all the zip codes. But you will not be separated from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. You will not be separated from the theology of God's sovereign grace that runs beneath Minneapolis and Roseville like a vein of gold and iron. You will not be separated from the vision that drives this church to spread a passion for the supremacy of God in all things, for the joy of all peoples, with its implications for world missions and God-centered worship and earnest prayer and biblical authority and racial harmony and justice for the unborn and personal evangelism and love for each other, especially in small groups. And you won't be separated from the preaching of God's word, which we call expository exaltation. And you won't be separated from 1,200 to 1,500 people who will go with you. And you won't be separated from the pastoral staff and the elders who give faithful leadership and love to this body of believers wherever they are in the Twin Cities. And you won't be separated from the God-centered vision for children and for teenagers and for college students that have drawn so many to this church because they love what David and Sally are doing here among children. It won't be separated from that because that will abide Wednesday nights and in these co-ops. And then next year we'll figure out how to do Sunday school when that building is up. And we'll do it in all the sites. You know, it's huge that this is a small group Sunday and the beginning of my, my uh, desire to preach a freedom for Roseville for many of you. And I just want to stress it that you take this booklet and you pray about small groups. This is not a small thing. This is normal Christianity. You can't read the New Testament and not see dozens and dozens and dozens of one another's Love one another, exhort one another, admonish one another, confess your sins to one another, pray for one another, one another, one another, one another, one another. There's a clear connectedness to Christianity in the New Testament. And there's so many Lone Ranger Christians that wonder why they're weak, powerless, ineffective And one of the reasons is no connectedness to people who will pray God's power down on you week after week in a wonderful small group setting, putting their hands on your shoulders for every need you have at work and in the family, giving you triumphs that you wouldn't perhaps have otherwise. Hebrews 3.12 is our kind of watchword here. We wave it year after year. It goes like this. Take care, brothers, lest there be an evil heart of unbelief leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day as long as it is called today so that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Small groups are one means God Almighty uses to preserve his elect if you forsake the means that God has appointed for your preservation, don't murmur against the Holy Spirit that you begin to shrivel and may perish and prove that you never were God's. They went out from us because they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have remained with us. But they went out that it might be manifest that they were not of us. That's the way the Bible talks about those who make shipwreck of their faith, thinking they were once elect, coming to church, and then scorning the means of grace. And one of those means is small groups. So here are two practical things I want you to do in the next three minutes as we close. And then afterwards. One. Please, whether you can do it this morning or need to bring it back next week, no pressure there. Look at this first column, which is about education, small groups, and intergenerational groups. It's about creating a small group. We've got, what, about 75 small groups in this booklet. We need another several dozen, way more and so feel a dream create a create a small group then go to david livingston and say i've created one can i get some training if i haven't had it and can you list my group and can i be part of the big system can i be overseen by the shepherds and the elders so that we're part of this movement called bethlehem so do that go there and then if you if you need a small group and you're looking for one if you're newer and you want to find one put your choices down there do the small group pursuit Now, let me pray with you. Why don't you stand for prayer? I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any. Movement to Roseville or separation from friends or driving by the church or missing Chuck's leadership or the urban scene on Sunday morning. Nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God. Father, I praise you that you have worked so many things together i praise you for Dan Holst who has taken this thing by the horns and has worked out a thousand things at the north side and will be leading a glorious team of worshipers and choirs there so that we will not miss a beat in our god centered delights on sunday morning whether we're here or whether we're there lord work in your people so that we are spread over the cities in a way that will bring most glory to Jesus Christ and spread a passion for his supremacy in all things for the joy of all peoples. And now may God keep you, keep you in his love as you go. And all the people said, Amen. you